during COVID, people saved a lot. And then when they started coming out of COVID, they had more of that money. But then they started traveling in 2022. And so we don't know how much savings is still left, you know, and making all those predictions and therefore to accurately predict what's going to happen with holiday spending, it's kind of hard to do. Welcome to The Ripple Effect, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of Wharton faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney. And in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. Assembling the puzzle of this year's holiday spending presents unique challenges. Each piece is shaped by recent global events, economic shifts, and the looming possibility of a recession. Yet businesses aren't waiting. They're crafting creative strategies, turning to gamification, inventive marketing, and powerful brand partnerships to complete the picture. So let's piece together this intricate landscape and uncover the full image of a modern festive marketplace. And always great to talk retail with Barbara Kahn, Wharton School Professor of Marketing. Hi, Barbara. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Dan? I'm great, Barbara. Thanks for asking. All right. So here we are going towards uh, the end of the year. What's your feel for the retail landscape right now? Because there's certainly a lot at play with the economy and, and and the impact on the consumer and how they're thinking about spending. What are you seeing play out right now? Well, you know, everybody is always talking about what's going to happen with holiday shopping because it's so important to the retailers. So there's always speculation. And there's a couple trends we know. One, we know the promotional environment has started even earlier this year. Um, Amazon Prime Day at, uh, on 1010, Accelerated, Walmart, Target, Amazon, all of those doing deep discounts and made the consumer really, really price sensitive. So the question is, how price sensitive are they going to be going off into the future at holiday season? Um, the one thing that people usually do when they look at holiday seasons is they look at trends. So they look at past years. And the problem is the past few years have been completely unpredictable. And so it's really hard to make a forecast going forward. So if you start with 2020, you know, what did holiday season look like then? Everybody was buying home, you know, because they were stuck in their house. They were buying home stuff. And we saw those numbers go way up. A lot of kind of household decorations, homes. That's what we're seeing a lot of purchases at Christmas time. And then 2021, we got out of our houses and you started to see a lot of purchase of, of apparel. You know, now we can't wear pajamas anymore, so we got to buy new clothes. So that was a lot of what was happening in 2021. In 2022, which was just last year, you saw a lot of people starting to move their money towards experiences and to travel and to, you know, now I'm out of the house, I'm actually going to go someplace. And so you see a lot of push towards that. So what does that mean for 2023? <laughs> you know, like, who knows? You're seeing like these trends that are so different. It's really hard to predict what people are going to buy this year. So let me go back. And, and you mentioned about Amazon with Prime Day. And from a historical perspective, I, I would assume, and you can, uh, you know, correct me on this or, or agree with it on it, is the fact that that event has had so much impact on the mindset, I think, of retail and consumers in how we think about when we shop for the holidays, but also just the, the conditioning that's kind of put in with the consumer. 
Yeah, you're right. There are two factors there, and they both are not great. One, one is, well, one may not be so bad. One is make you think about holiday shopping earlier. That isn't so bad for retailers because we've got delivery issues, supply chain issues. And if you can kind of stretch the shopping season so it's a little bit longer, it's easier to even out demand and deal with supply chain kinds of issues. So that's not a terrible thing. But the really bad thing about it is the focus on discount, discount, discount. For me personally, as a marketing expert, I would say, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, why would you want to do that? Um, because if you can get people to reinvest in the brands that they believe in, we have evidence that people love the brands they love, you know, and why should they buy them on discount? I remember way back when, in the recession of 2008, 2009, luxury was so worried about people not shopping that they discounted their prices. And it took a really long time for them to get back into getting people to buy luxury brands back at full price, which is really what you want them to do. So I think this Amazon Prime Day and everybody following and accelerating really makes people very deal sensitive. And that's a problem. You mentioned about brands. And so let's touch on that for a second, because there seems to be a, such a greater importance by companies on their brand right now than maybe ever before. And it feels like in many cases, a lot of the issues outside of the company themselves, a lot of the cultural issues, some of those elements are factoring into how much companies focus on their brand even more today. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. People have been predicting the death of brands just forever. And this is not happening. Brands are super, super important. And you look at uh, survey after survey, consulting firms, all this other showing that the brands that people love, they love, you know, really, really strong brands continue to do really well. And they kind of fight against this promotional environment. And so you're seeing some really interesting new trends in branding that I think are, are worth looking at. One of them, just recently, Lululemon announced the collaboration with Peloton, which is kind of an interesting thought. Lululemon's a very strong brand. Peloton, well, who knows, you know, kind of, well, whatever. I mean, there are people who love Peloton. But the idea of getting these two brands to work together, that's an interesting idea. You saw like with uh, Target and Ulta, that collaboration was very successful. So the idea of joining brands together and creating something new and exciting through the collaboration, that's an interesting new trend that we're seeing in branding. Well, and then with that collaboration specifically, uh, it's almost the most interesting part of it is the fact that uh, Peloton is kind of a recovery brand. I mean, with as much problem as they have had over the last couple of years, uh, they're trying to rebuild their brand almost from, it feels like, from the ground floor. But, you know, these collaborations are strategic in wily ways. Like what Peloton has is really good content and that exercise thing. And people who love their instructors and who still have this really strong feeling about the Peloton, you know, when, whoever it is, I think there was one called Love, Ali Love or something like that, that people just love, you know, that idea. And so Lululemon, which is a very strong brand and doing super well, can give some sustenance to Peloton, to your point, but Peloton has something sexy to offer in the collaboration. You know, another really interesting collaboration with the Taylor Swift NFL collaboration. Un unofficial <laughs> collaboration, but yes, exactly. But it's the idea of looking for the sexy 
in one brand, linking it to something else, and then creating something brand new and something fun. I don't know if Travis Kelsey would say that exactly, but we get the we get the idea. So yeah. so now here we are at a time where the economy is obviously going up and down at this point, and consumers in many cases are watching how much they spend. I think the impacts of the economy right now become very interesting for what we're going to see play out not only through the holiday season, but also to a degree next year, especially if the Fed holds rates higher for longer, which has been talked about so much. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to predict all these things because you're kind of seeing things going in two different directions. So in- inflation has been curbed somewhat. Employment is still strong. There's some indication that consumer confidence is holding steady and maybe even rising a little bit. But on the other hand, people are awor- very worried about the possibility of recession Um, The student loan issue, and that really affects a lot of discretionary income if you're not forgiven of your student loans. And so there's a lot of question on how people are going to spend. And that's also why we look at like what happened in the past. For example, during COVID, people saved a lot. And then when they started coming out of COVID, they had more of that money. But then they started traveling in 2022. And so we don't know how much savings is still left, you know, and making all those predictions and therefore to accurately predict what's going to happen with holiday spending, it's kind of hard to do. There have been some predictions like MasterCard came out with a prediction that they think holiday spending is going to go up about 3.7%, which isn't huge, but it's, it's solid. Um, and they're saying, you know, you'll see it mostly in um, restaurants, hospitality, maybe consumer electronics. Um, apparel might go up just a little bit. We're not expecting a big growth in apparel, but it should go up a little. So that's been some of the forecasts I've seen. We're joined by Barbara Kahn, Wharton Marketing Professor. Uh, so then as you look forward into 2024, what are some of the areas that you focus on? Uh, and, and are watchful for as as maybe this economy, you know, starts to turn a corner at some point next year. You know, I think you're seeing like two trends, which are kind of exactly the opposite, but they're both going forward. One is this brand kind of stuff and this idea of fun and a lot of experimentation and branding, a lot of look on um, Macy's just announced they're going to lean into retail theater, you know, and this idea of like new kinds of fun things to try to get people to be excited and believe in their brands and invest in the fun of shopping and the fun of buying brands at full price. On the other hand, we see incredible strength in Shein, in Temu, Walmart's doing well, Target, Amazon, which we were talking about at the beginning. So we are seeing a lot of this price sensitivity on one hand, and maybe people are going to be looking for the deals and looking for a way to stretch their dollar. And on the other hand, the brands that get it right, that hit the pulse, that really tickle people's fancy, I think will be rewarded as well. How then does the back and forth between e-commerce and bricks and mortar continue to play out, do you think? You know, I think that's also this new notion everybody's talking about. It's omni-channel. It's really not one or the other. I mean, again, looking towards the past to predict for the future, during COVID, people thought everybody was going to shop online forever. That's clearly not true. As soon as we were allowed out of the house, we were back into the stores 
Some of the numbers I saw recently is that over 90% of grocery shopping is being done in the physical store, which is definitely not what we predicted during COVID when everybody learned how to shop online. Um, but I think what you're seeing now is really this back and forth. Some things are digital, some things are in the store, and it's a function of where the consumer wants to be when they want to be. I think we're in, and we're going to see a lot of growth in mobile shopping. So more and more shopping being done on the phone if people make it easier. There's a lot of this idea in, in gamification and these, you know, even AR and those kinds of things. You know, it, it was maybe a little bit overhyped by Facebook or Meta, but still a lot of people believe that there is a lot of excitement in these virtual environments and a lot of opportunity for commercial gain in those environments, but it's really not going to be one or the other. I think it's, you know, people may still want to go sit on Santa Claus's lap. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Well, you know, you mentioned AR, but I think you also have to throw in AI and the impact that that may very well have on retail as we move forward in the next few years as well. It's obviously having some impact already, but that's just going to multiply in the future, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and that's really hard to, to call exactly how that going to affect things, you know, even here in education, trying to understand what the role of ChatGPT is and all of that. And I think most of my colleagues, at least in education, I assume it's true in retail too, you know, think, well, that's here to stay. So we got to think about it as a tool and how to use it to make the customer experience better. So I think you'll see a lot of creativity. I think you'll see, you know, if people trying to use it in a way that you know, maybe makes the shopping experience more personalized, more enjoyable. Uh, some of this AI has been shown to, to, to really spur on innovation. So we might see some really new fun things. But as you just mentioned, it really, it feels like at the base is still that experience for the consumer. And however the business is going to reach that consumer is going to be the way that, that companies are going to find that level of success. Yeah, because a lot of the numbers around holiday shopping, obviously what gets people into the store, the trigger, and that's always very important, what initiates the purchase process is gifting. Because it's holiday season, you want to give gifts. So the first thing to kind of think about is what make for good gifts. Now, traditional gifts are still, you know, buying somebody a sweater still makes sense, even if they have 20 sweaters. So you'll see some of that. But the other interesting thing about holiday shopping is people buy one for you and one for me. You know, like they buy for themselves also. So now you're looking, if you make the shopping experience more fun and people want to engage in it for one reason or another, they're more likely, yes, to buy more gifts and maybe to buy more things for themselves as well. And that could help spur on shopping. You know, you mentioned about the uh, the, the the expectations of what holiday sales are going to be. I guess the other side of that is how much discounting uh, that retailers will do. That, that BOGO philosophy, we've seen that play in more and more the last few years. Yeah, it's a little bit of a game of chicken. You know, on one hand, they're trying to manage their inventory and make sure they're not stuck with things left over because once Christmas hits, everything goes down in value and then you know you're going to discount. So what you want to try to do is hold your price as much as you possibly can before the holiday season is over. But on the other hand, you don't want to be left with all this inventory. So you're kind of moving things along. And if you can do it in a gamification way, kind of, or like you're saying, buy one, get one, that kind of idea is if I buy something, then I buy something, kind of, something else. I get something else for free 
kind of mitigates the total promotional environment and gives you a reason to buy more. So let me circle back for, for those that don't follow it. When you talk about gamification, how is that something that consumers may end up seeing play out when they're out and about and they're doing shopping? Is it something that they say? Well, you know, it's things like these ideas of competitions or buying something to win something or, you know, some of these lottery ideas or some of these ideas of streaks, keep your streak going. Some of those kinds of ideas of gaming. The other idea that you see in gamification now is co-creation, creating your own universe. So you're seeing like some of the shopping being experiential. You're creating something. Um, the other big trend, you know, you were asking about digital is like digital goods, you know, if you're going to buy like skins for your avatars or, or something like that, you know, and there's some evidence, which is kind of shocking to me, but the younger generation value digital goods as much as they do physical goods in some cases. So how all of that works and what you're purchasing for that, that's kind of an interesting wrinkle. Hey, Barbara, great to talk with you. Thanks very much for giving us a few moments today. Yeah, it was great fun. Absolutely. Barbara Codd, Wharton Marketing Professor, joining us here on The Ripple Effect. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.